2: can score with the Jim Allen group at the jagadvantage.com equal housing opportunity
3: information available online thanks so much for joining us here at 5:30. 30 WRAL news at six is just ahead
4: an 18 year old student in Johnston County is facing serious charges what investigators found in his car on school campus. The WRL breaking news tracker is live with new information.
3: Just because he took this plea deal, this is not over.
4: The families of two elderly couples murdered while playing cards are still looking for justice, even after a man is sentenced to life in prison. And another bill to legalize medical marijuana is up for debate in the legislature, this time with some key
0: differences. The next mess is on the way. Why we see the rain roll in, when it will be the heaviest, and the temperature plunge behind it?
4: Tonight, a Johnston County student is facing several charges, including a felony, after a school resource officer found a gun and a knife in his car. Thank you for joining us. I'm Gerald Owens.
5: And I'm Deborah Morgan. All this happened today at Cleveland High School. WRL's Eric Miller is there now with the WRL breaking news tracker with what authorities say happened. Eric?
4: Well, Deborah, that gun was found in a car just behind me here, the parking lot here at Cleveland High School. The Johnston County Sheriff's Office says Joel Thomas didn't try bringing it inside, but instead was, quote, acting abnormally. That caught the attention of administrators, as well as the school's SRO. That SRO then searched Thomas's car, where he found that unloaded gun, the ammunition, as well as a knife, and what was described as drug paraphernalia. Now, Thomas is going to be facing multiple charges as a result of this, including felony charges for bringing that gun onto school grounds. He was arrested and, is, and has a bond right now of $11,000. The Johnston County Sheriff's Office hasn't said why Thomas brought that gun onto school grounds. Whether there was any specific threat, direct threat to any of the other students here, we'll continue to push for, the, for those answers.
1: Deborah,
5: Eric Miller, live from Cleveland High School in Johnston County. Thank you, Eric.
1: I'm Mark Boyle in the live center right now. Some new information coming out after notification from the principal at West Millbrook Magnet Middle School today. A student, according to this report, brought an airsoft style gun. uh, It resembled a pistol to school, showing it off to another student. And then uh, parents were notified at that point after school teachers and administrators got involved. So Right now, with all this is going on uh, out there at these schools, they are definitely paying attention. This was not a real gun. It was an airsoft-style gun, but certainly something that a lot of principals are paying attention to and keeping a close eye on. Back to you.
5: Mark, thank you. Tomorrow, a funeral will be held for a student killed near Hillside High School. We've learned 17-year-old Anthony Feaster is the teenager who died that day earlier this month. Another student was also injured. Police have not made any arrests in the case. Officers have released and not released any information about a suspect.
4: Today, a plea deal nearly six years after the murder of two couples in Halifax County. James Powell received four consecutive life sentences, each for each one of the first-degree murder charges he faced, now, this goes back to 2017. James and Janice Harris and James and Peggy Whitley were killed while playing cards at a home in Enfield. Police eventually arrested Powell, along with Matthew Sims, Keon West, and Dontavius Cotton in spring of 2018. Last February, Sims, West, and Cotton's first-degree murder charges were dropped after investigators say Powell changed his story. Today, some family members of the victims told WREL they believe the murders were carried out by more than one person, and they're still pushing for
3: justice. We've made sure that they understand and we want the public to understand that this, just because he took this plea deal, this is not over.
4: The mother of one of the former co-defendants is also reacting to the plea today. WRL was there a year ago when Keon West and others were released from jail after Powell recanted his story. West was found shot to death in December in the Roanoke River. This afternoon, his mother told us she is still in pain because of that, but she's happy for the Harris and Whitley families.
3: To finally be able to get justice um, for your little ones, it it has to be an amazing feeling. And the only reason why my my son's name was even put into that situation was because of how And for us to miss out on all that time with my son and to now not have my son, I feel like we were robbed and
4: I feel like it was selfish. Leticia Whitaker says she hopes Powell becomes a better person in prison. As for her family, she wants an apology from the Halifax County Sheriff's Office. Mm-hmm.
5: Tomorrow, civil rights attorney Ben Crump and the family of the man killed while in Raleigh police custody will call for the officers involved in his death to be charged with manslaughter. Crump represents the family of Daryl Williams. Williams died after officers used a taser on him several times while trying to take him into custody. Crump is holding a news conference tomorrow at 1130 a.m. We'll bring you the latest on our new news and on wrl.com.
4: State lawmakers are trying again this year to legalize medical marijuana in North Carolina. As you can see on this map, more than half of the states in the country have already done this. Right now, only medical CBD is legal in this state and 11 others, as those are the ones you see there in yellow. The North Carolina bill would be the most restrictive of them all, and some say it won't help people who need it most. Our Capitol Bureau Chief Laura Leslie joins us live in the Legislative Building with what they're saying. Laura?
3: Geraldine, the bill that was discussed in the Senate committee today is the same one that they passed last year, but the House wouldn't consider it at that time. Since then, however, some of the House's staunchest opponents of medical marijuana have actually retired, so they're hoping it might do better this year. The bill would legalize medical marijuana by doctor's prescription for a short list of chronic or terminal conditions, including PTSD, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, and nausea from cancer treatment. At a committee hearing, cannabis activist Chris Suttle was one of several speakers who urged lawmakers to expand the list to cover other issues, like reducing opioid use for chronic pain.
1: Let your physician decide whether you need to continue to keep taking opioids for something. If you do not want to continue taking opioids,
4: then you should be allowed to have medicinal cannabis be one of the solutions that you can look at with your physician.
3: Others say the bill is too restrictive in other ways. It caps the number of companies who could sell medical marijuana at just 10, and it would require them to do all their own growing, processing and selling. Cannabis activist Nicolette Baglio says only large cannabis corporations could qualify, not local hemp businesses. From farmers to retailers um, that have really been banking on adding uh, cannabis uh, to their business models once legalized, um, so it cuts all of them out entirely. Supporters of the bill said it sets up an advisory board that can recommend rule changes in the future. Senator Michael Lazara represents Onslow County, home to many veterans. He says he's in favor of medical marijuana because research has shown it can help veterans suffering from PTSD.
1: By reducing anxiety, veterans may be able to better process their traumatic experience and cope with their symptoms more effectively.
3: Now, some social conservative groups also spoke out against that bill today. The bill is scheduled to get a committee vote next week. It is expected to pass. Gerald?
4: Laura Leslie, live on Jones Street. Thank you, Laura. WRL's Chris Lovingood recently sat down with a state senator and military veteran to talk about the future of medical marijuana in North Carolina. You can watch the full edition on WRL.com. Just search on the record.
5: Students from historically black colleges and universities were at the state house today to raise concerns with lawmakers. They brought up a bill which increases criminal penalties for riots. Students said they fear police will use it to target Black Lives Matter protests. Our elders and ancestors fought for their freedom and rights under oppressive circumstances, and that is something that we need to continue. House Bill 40 creates additional charges for North Carolinians speaking out against injustice.
3: We know this bill targets people who look like me.
5: HBCU funding is also a concern, and it's also one that Democratic lawmakers say they think they can work on with Republicans. Lawmakers recently formed the first ever bipartisan caucus on HBCUs.
4: People buying a home in North Carolina will now know whether that home has been damaged by flooding. The North Carolina Real Estate Commission approved a request to add flood related questions to a form when buying a house. The document will now ask about potential flooding damage to a home. Several advocacy groups, have filed the original request to have this new addition added.
5: People looking to sell a home in Raleigh now have a new option for cash offers and figuring out how much a house is worth. Starting today, the Zillow app gives people selling a chance to receive an estimated value of their house from a local real estate agent. This new technology will only be offered in Raleigh and Atlanta. The company says it hopes this new feature helps to streamline the process of selling a home.
4: A man whose son was murdered in Durham is wondering whether first responders could have kept him alive. Still ahead, WRL Sarah Kruger has new information
0: on what happened before his death, including the moments after he was shot. Mike? Gerald, we're eyeing our next storm system in the plains right now. It's coming together. We're going to time out when we see the rain here and how much could fall. It's coming up. Stay with us. Right now, emotions high in the courtroom as a family member rushes the Buffalo mass shooter at its sentencing. Plus, NBC News investigates the insider blowing the whistle against a massive hospital corporation accused of putting profits over patient safety tonight.
4: Here's a live look at Zebulon through the WRO Live Cam Network. What a beautiful shot there as the sun sets in downtown uh, the city center there. You're watching WRL news available on YouTube TV, Spectrum and the WRL app on your TV or streaming device.
5: A 15-year-old was bleeding out at a local park in Durham after being shot and it took more than 11 minutes for any first responder to come to his aid. Tonight, his father is wondering if his son would have survived if help had arrived more quickly. The murder happened back in December, but officials released very few details until WRL's Durham reporter Sarah Kruger started asking questions.
2: Police hadn't told us the person killed in this shooting was a teenager. They also hadn't told us the two other people shot in the same incident were also teenagers, only 14 and 17 years old. I filed a records request for 911 calls, and that is when all of this information started to come to light.
0: 911, where's emergency? I'm at Twin Lakes Park in Durham.
2: Around 3 p.m. on December 4th, a frantic 911 caller describes a horrifying scene.
3: There was probably 20 or more gunshots.
2: The caller sees a teenager lying on the ground at Twin Lakes Park in East Durham. Oh, God, do you want get in a hurry? He's alive. Yeah, you know what? Why? He's
0: gasping for air. Okay.
3: Oh, my God.
2: While police have a target response time for serious calls of 5 minutes, 48 seconds and EMS of 9 minutes or less 90% of the time, both agencies missed those marks. The 911 caller was on the line more than 11 minutes with no first responder in sight.
1: Hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. We got ambulance coming, okay?
2: WRAL learned two more teenagers were injured in the same shooting. As they drove off, one of them called
5: 911. Hey, well, the 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 the
2: police and EMS ended up finding them at the intersection of Highway 98 and 70. The delay in response to the victim in the park seems to have a few causes, including the confusion of there being two scenes. And the emergency communication center did not dispatch police until two minutes and fifty one seconds into the nine one one call, the center's director did not explain why Police do not release the names of victims under the age of eighteen. WRAL learned the boy who died was Alexis hernandez nunez
5: Young
4: boy victor Ya oh you know
2: Renee Hernandez says it took police days to notify him of his son's death. Police told me that's because they were waiting on an autopsy to identify him. Hernandez says his son was a student at Northern High School who loved to be with friends and to play soccer. That's what he was doing in the park. He worries the case is already being forgotten. I mean, I no, answer. I the no answer. Amid his many frustrations, most of all, he wants police to find his son's killer. I got these numbers from Durham Police. In 2022, 24 juveniles were shot, four of them fatally. So far this year, we are significantly outpacing that. With seven juveniles shot, one of them killed. The youngest victim, only 12 years old. Sarah Kruger, WRAL News,
5: Durham. Now, Durham EMS tells us they arrived on the scene of that shooting a little bit before police did. But when a scene involves violence, they have to wait for police to tell them it's safe before proceeding.
4: The DMV is announcing big changes to cut down on long lines. Five On Your Side's Keeley Arthur highlighted the problems earlier this month, and tonight we have answers. Starting May 1st, 40 offices across the state will open earlier at 7 a.m. You will see fewer appointments between 8 and 11 a.m. to allow for more walk-ins. They're also allowing more items to be renewed online. 16 offices will add Saturday hours in June, July, and August to ease the wait time in the DMV's busy season.
5: Well, you drive by on Western Boulevard and you cannot miss this, Pullen Park is getting some extra light soon. It's a setup for Luminosity. The festival is underway. The event starts Saturday at Pullen Park, but you can see the magical displays now. This year's theme is the joy blossom. It is fabulous, isn't it? At night, the displays will light up the sky. Visit luminosityfestival.com for tickets.
4: Wow, and I was drove by that today, Mike, and I wondered, cool. first of all, what was I seeing? <laughs> yeah, Trying to definitely. be safe and looking over the sun <laughs> as I'm coming up uh, Western Boulevard. Yeah. But uh, it's really pretty out there.
0: weather weather's beautiful to walk around those sculptures today. Yeah, we had temperatures in the mid 70s and you would think, hey, that's record warmth. We had mid 70s last weekend, or last week, and we had record warmth. Well, the record highs this week are in the 80s. 82, the record high, we had 76 today. Live dual doppler 5000 radar showing some sprinkles, and we have that potential through the evening hours. So if you're out and about and you have a few spits of rainfall on you it's just a few sprinkles out there and they're not going to last long so our temperatures are set to dip we had 76 today 77 tomorrow the record high 81 no record tomorrow Friday we begin to see the temperature dip this will actually happen in the morning 64 are high temperatures fall into the 50s during the afternoon on Saturday after our low of 32 we only have about 53 but then on Sunday we're back in the 60s and we're back in the 70s next week so let's talk about the rain expectation for the morning on Friday tomorrow after afternoon. We should get in the mid and upper 70s. Morning cloud cover, afternoon sunshine. Here's how Futurecast progresses through the night on Thursday into Friday morning. It is going to stay warm. Our morning low only around 62, so you might want to switch on the air conditioner because it's going to be a little too warm. If that's your thing now by 4 a.m. Friday morning, we see some light rain moving on in now by seven eight o'clock. That's when we expect most of the heavy rain with this system to come on in just in time for the morning commute. So be aware when you step out in the morning, During that time period, there will be rain on the live dual Doppler 5000 radar. Again, this is Friday morning, not tomorrow morning. Friday morning at 8 a.m., 63 in Fayetteville and Raleigh, 61 in Southern Pines. By 11 a.m., we see the core of the heavier rain along the I-95 corridor and moving toward the east. Now, by 4 o'clock, Futurecast has all the rain out of here, but there are some other high-resolution models that keep the rain through 2 and 3 o'clock. So keep checking back. We'll have a new run of FutureCast tonight at 10 on Fox, 11 on WRAL, and we'll have new updated data tomorrow morning with Elizabeth starting at 4 30 to see if this timing does change at all. So this would impact FanFest in downtown Raleigh if that rain tended to linger a little bit longer into the afternoon, but I don't think it's going to be issue, an issue for the evening. By 9 o'clock, 42, 36 in Roxboro, 47 in Fayetteville. How much rain? Well, not the big soaking we saw last Sunday. Models vary from about a half inch to our in-house FutureCast. The American model about four tenths, three quarters of an inch, the European model and the NAM about six tenths. So yeah, pretty good amount of rain, but not the huge soaking that we saw last week. So for the stadium series game Saturday, here's our hour by hour forecast. If you're going to be tailgating, it'll be rather cool. Temperatures will be running in the 40s by five o'clock. A lot of sunshine to start the day. Clouds start to build in during the game. Puck drop about 43 by the end of the game, 39, 40 degrees. So yeah, it'll be chilly. It's appropriate. You're watching a hockey game. It would be a little chilly inside the PNC arena, but not that cool cold. Uh, our low tonight uh, will be in the fifties. We're at 70 right now at RDU, 61 in Roxborough, 69 at Rocky Mountain. Walking the dog this evening, we're looking at temperatures being rather mild, so you're really not going to need a jacket. Your seven-day forecast, it's warm again tomorrow. You're 77. Windy on Friday. Winds could gust up to 30. That high 64 happens in the morning. Temperatures fall into the fifties during the afternoon. Saturday, again, the stadium series game looking pretty good. 53 the high. 35 the low Sunday morning. 61 the high. It's mostly cloudy. Pres- Presidents' Day, the kids are off from school. 68, the high. It's a pretty nice day, and then 70s return Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Yeah, I think Sylvia, the armadillo, was right on when she said we're going to have early spring. <laughs> Certainly seeing it stick around. she we're Hit good. that one on the head, yes. didn't she?
5: <laughs> Maybe this great. whole groundhog thing is going to have to make way for armadillo, armadillo day Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. yeah. You got, I guess you can hold those up. Yeah. Right?
5: Sure. Why not? All right. <laughs> Chris Lee is here now with what's happening in sports. A big game, obviously.
1: Absolutely. And this week, for the Carolina Hurricanes, have some very special guests in town this week spoiler alert those guests are very proud of them you'll see that plus the canes announced a new initiative to reach out to the community the newest announcement from the good guys next in sports sports for everyone and that's what we'll
2: continue to want to grow and uh, you know it makes you just feel good when you see all these kids how they uh, smile and uh, are going to have some fun with this
1: the Carolina Hurricanes and the NHL have teamed up donating $50,000 to create local ball hockey programs for those with special needs. Today's event included members of the sled hockey community and others. Canes general manager Don Waldell says it's another opportunity to reach out to people in this community. Let's continue with the Canes. From a distance, this might look like a Hurricanes team picture, but these aren't players. But as Pat Walter explains, they do have just as big of a role.
0: You see athletes, they see sons. I'm Bill DeHaan, my son is Calvin, he's number 44. Hi, my name is Brad Stepan, and I'm the father of Derek Stepan. Hi, I'm Scott Shea, I'm Brady Shea's dad. This week, the Carolina Hurricanes are hosting a dad's trip. What's it like being a uh, a hockey dad? Hockey dad? Yeah, (laughs) it's hard to say exactly what it's like to be a hockey I don't know anything different. (laughs) I don't. They took
1: pictures, traveled to Washington D.C., and will finish the week at the outdoor game Saturday night.
0: Just watching him uh, enjoy, the, enjoy it, uh, he's getting pretty long in the tooth here, he's been in the league for 13 years, so all these experiences that I get to experience with him are super, super special.
1: You don't get to play in the NHL signature event without a lot
0: of early mornings and small town rinks along the way. It's a journey, but it's not, I, I never looked at it as, you know. A lot of work to get him to stuff like that. My wife's very supportive, also, so it was great for us and our whole family.
1: I mean, none of us would be
0: here and right now if it wasn't for you know the sacrifice they put in. I just really look up to the to the man that he is, and you know I try to be just like him on a daily basis. So definitely a, a role model for me and my brother, Pal Walter. How many people get to do this?
1: WREL Sports. Brady Shea and his dad could be twins. The stadium series game is this Saturday at 8 o'clock. They'll miss our live coverage from myself and Casey Hentz from Carter-Finley Stadium both Friday and Saturday on WRL. Today, Governor Roy Cooper honored the 2022 NC Central football team at the Governor's Mansion. The Eagles won the Black College National Championship, the Celebration Bowl, back in December over an undefeated and favored Jackson State Tigers team. The Eagles are expected to return many of their players in the 2023 season. So that just means that maybe next year at this time, they can be right back at the Governor's Mansion saying
4: they're two-time
1: Celebration Bowl champions.
4: That sounds good. Thanks, I Chris. To my eagles. There you go. Looks like an eagle to me. <laughs> we're just a, minutes, a few minutes away from NBC Nightly News. Tonight, the first interview with Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin after the U.S. took down those mysterious flying objects. Should the U.S. have seen them sooner?
5: And tonight at 7, we're following breaking news, an arrest made after a 6-year-old had a gun at a local school. See you at 7.
1: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.